We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Rage your Bible is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. Oh, what up and shalom. Welcome to the Rob and Caleb show. My name is Caleb Haig. With me as always is Rob Van Hoff. Oh, what up, Rob? What up, Caleb? How's I like it? the I like the glasses, dude. Thank you, sir. Um, you know, I'm gonna have to I don't know what's going on, but uh, I'm not getting any recording on my ends. Hang on just a second. Let me stop this real quick and see if we can figure this out. I'm still not getting any recording. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll just have to go with it. Uh, so is everyone out there in Radio Land hearing us? If you're in the chat room and you can hear us, go ahead and give us a nice little hello and let us know that you can hear us. I'm going to turn us up here in the chat room. Um, so welcome everyone to the Rob and Caleb show. I hope that you enjoyed our new intro as well because uh, we decided, hey, you know what? We're starting season three. I think today is the official day of season three. And uh, so we should get some new some new intro. What do you think, Rob? You like it? I like it. I like the, uh, I think he's being generous. Oh, oh man, I, I, I like that clip. <laughs> uh, so for everyone who's watching on YouTube, check this out. I just want to make sure, check this out. Okay, so I got some new goodies today. And Rob, you can revel in this with me. Um, so... Uh, this isn't actually from Hanukkah, which we will be talking about today. This is actually from the ETS and SBL meeting. Now, look at this. I got, I got my books in the mail today. This one, this looks great. We're going to interview. Are these the ones where you, you buy them there and they ship it to you for free? Yes. Stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. So this one I'm very excited about. We're going to interview this gentleman on the, on, uh, Torah Resource Radio. It's called Paul's Divine Christology by Dr. Chris Tilling. Oh, that's Tilling. Yeah, right on. Yeah, this is going to be a good book. Basically, what he argues in here is that uh, is that Paul taught the di- uh, you know the the divinity of of the Messiah. Um, so that's going to be good. I also received in the mail Paul and the Trinity: Persons, Relations, and the Pauline Letters by Wesley Hill. That looks like a fun one. Um, and then. This was not an ETS SBL purchase. However, my father just walked in and said he had a duplicate of, of it on his shelf and asked me if I wanted it. This is by Burkauer. It's Faith and Justification. Boom. Now, I don't know if you've seen this either, but check this out, Rob. I'm going to make everybody a little bit jealous here. Uh, I put my card into a raffle at the ETS meeting. Oh, yeah? And I won. Sweet. And it was Chosen People Ministries. Now, why they'd give this away at the ETS meeting, I'm not really quite sure. Okay, but I got this. I don't know if you is can see. Is that a uh, 
chumash. Yeah, so this is this is the stone chumash of the Haftorah, the five megalot in the commentary anthology. But that's not all they sent me. They also sent me this one, which is on Isaiah. That's not all they sent me. They also sent me the Jeremiah, and they also sent me the Ezekiel. Wow, so uh, and, you're, you're loaded with how to prove Yeshua is not the prophet <laughs> that is of Isaiah. Exactly. <laughs> and then the 12 prophets. So basically, I have all the pro prophets. This is what they sent me, man. Look at that. Look at that. I think, that's got to be like 50 pounds of paper. I, right? I think that's 250 bucks worth of paper right there. Pretty pumped. Anyway. Okay, what up and shalom to everybody in the chat room. Thanks for joining us. Should I put these glasses back on? The people in the chat sure, room can't yeah, see these, I but think so. I think they're pretty awesome. All right, there you go. Um, what up and shalom to everybody in the chat room. What up and shalom to everybody listening out there and on YouTube. Hello. And then also, I should tell everyone this show is brought to you. The Robin Caleb Show is brought to you by TorahResource.com. Go to Torah Resource to find all sorts of wonderful free materials like articles and audio stuff and uh, whatever. Uh, TR Radio is produced by Torah Resource, of course. At our programming desk is Gary Springer. And at our web site, I suppose I could say, is Mark Randall. Thank you both gentlemen for being a part of the Robin Caleb show. We appreciate it. And don't forget, I should I should plug this more often. Don't forget to catch Rob Van Hoff and Gary Springer. They have a wonderful show uh, called Michelet, which is the book of Proverbs. It's a conver conversational commentary on the book of Proverbs. And uh, if you are just starting to learn Hebrew, or if you have an interest in uh, going deep into biblical study in the Proverbs. I highly recommend it. You can find it on the Caleb Hegg YouTube channel, or you can find it on the radio station, trradio.com, every single week. Okay, is that all the formalities? Well, we're at show 103. This is 103, that's right. We need, we, we don't oh, have yes. our... Oh, we our, don't have our music yet. Our I, Gematria I intro music. I could give you some uh, elevator music. <laughs> Speaking of Gematria... <laughs> Yeah. I have three Hebrew uh, words for our uh, show 103. These Hebrew words have the gematria of 103. The first one is mazon, like the birchat ha-mazon, mazon, meal. So today's show is a meal. I think you just use the Bible, do whatever the hell you like. Another is tov lanu. It is good for us. <laughs> tov lanu. And finally, hakokavim, the stars. So... Each of these Ooh. words adds up to 103. Oh, the stars. A meal, good for us, the stars. And I, I'm reminded of because on the three-year cycle, we're in doing Lech Lecha, you know, thinking of Abraham. Should, should I plug my buddy? My buddy my buddy Paul said that uh, I should move this thing because it's it covers up my face. And, uh, yeah, anyway, okay. So the, so stars, huh? That's our, that's our gematria for the, the day. The stars, yeah. Well, all right. Okay, that's thanks for letting me. Uh, <laughs> we need I'm some intro music. Should we ask? Should we ask our listeners to make the intro music, or should we type them in for our uh, those privileged individuals who are in our, uh, <laughs> our chat room? They get they get to see. The they get to see what you're talking about. And I might even put them in Paleo Hebrew. Oh yes, that's exactly what we need. Okay, so. Um,
I feel like this is still super loud. Let me see if I, I'm gonna make another ding and see if I can bring this sound down. But we need the ant. Uh, the buzzer sound, I think I actually took that off of here. Hang on just a sec. I know people watching on YouTube can't see my face. Give it a second. Um, I took the buzzer off. I know that, no. okay, well, maybe we're messing around too much. We have so much material to get to. Yeah, let's get to it. What are, <gasps> what are, we're in the, the season of what? We're in the season of Hanukkah. And uh, so there's been some controversy. People have sent me, actually, I've gotten an enormous amount of emails. The biggest from controversy is how to spell it. That's true. But I think, I think that we figured it out on the uh, Facebook page. At least we were given every single, uh, every single rendition of how to s spell it. Okay, well, here's something that gets masked. Go. If, okay, because in Hebrew, it's chet, nun, vav, kaf, he, Hanukkah. Well, if you take the hay off the end, it's Hanok is the word. It's the name Enoch. So if we want to keep the Christ in Christmas, we need to keep Enoch in Hanukkah. Just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. Okay, so it's not just the spelling that's the issue here, okay? We have people in the Messianic... Keep, keep the Enoch in Hanukkah. That's, that's all I'm saying. Keep and if Enoch is... is <clears throat> I'm telling you... If Enoch is Metatron, keep the Metatron in Hanukkah. Keep Enoch in, in Hanukkah. There you go. Okay, so... <laughs> sorry, I, I had to comedy drum you. Okay, uh, so we've had some interesting inter interchange with people. Some people have asked us about uh, a uh, ministry and a teacher who I had never heard of before, and so we're going to look at some of their stuff. First, let's talk about Hanukkah itself. Now, I don't know if our listeners know this or not, but uh, Rob Van Hoff actually teaches a course on Second Temple Literature at Torah Resource Institute. It is very good. So we had to read parts of First and Second Maccabees. Sorry. Um, and so we read part of this story. So go ahead, Rob, give us a rundown of basically where we get. Uh, uh, okay, hang on. I have to stop. Look at this. One, two, three, four, five. The last five entries on the on the forum is Rob. <laughs> okay. Well, get, I no, I typed in the. the uh, uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Okay. So give us a rundown of Hanukkah. Where, where well, do we Hanukkah, find it? First, okay. There's a word called. Hanukkah. Yeah. Right? Hanukkah. It's used in the Torah. Yes. Okay. It's for the it means dedication. Yes. And it's used in the Torah. It's in the book of Numbers a couple times for the dedication of the temple. Of the, the altar. Particularly okay. of the Mizbeach. And the Mizbeach is where they slaughter and, and now give uh, us a rundown. We get we, we see it what once or twice in Daniel, twice in uh in Ezekiel, and then we Yeah, it's just a handful of times. Yeah. And it's uh then it's used for the dedication of, of the house, which is the temple, dedication of the temple. In Nehemiah, a couple times for the, the dedication of the walls, building of the walls of Jerusalem. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Um, and there's the one time where, I think it's, is it, I, I just brought it up here. Is it Second Chronicles? Second um, Chronicles 7. On the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly. This is the, uh, it says, Hashemini Atzeret. It's the, the eighth day. That is the day after the seven days of 
of uh, Sukkot. Okay, and then it says, like you're, you're for in... they had kept the Hanukkah HaMizbeah, Asu Shivat Yamim. And so it's you're... referring back to the, the prior seven days as a, de- a celebration of the dedication of the new altar. You're talking about Second Chronicles 7, 7 through 10. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's called a... a but the, okay, eighth wait, day, hey. the eighth day there is not called a Hanukkah. It's the seven days that are called a Hanukkah. Seven day, and the eighth day is Shimona is called Shimona Atzeret. Does that make sense? So that yeah, this so, eighth but, day but, is not called a Hanukkah. And, and during this time, what else was going on? Well, this is Solomon rebu- This is Solomon's temple. This is like. Uh, so this was not going on during the time of. Let's assume this is Tabernacles. So it's Sukkot. Yeah, because it says Shemani Atzeret. Actually, Shemani but I, Atzeret. yeah, but I okay. Hang on, let's read the passage. Then Solomon consecrated the middle of the court. That was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered the burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings because the bronze altar which Solomon had made was not able to contain the burnt offering, the grain offering and the fat. So Solomon observed the feast at that time for seven days. Okay, so that's the feast. And all Israel with him, a very great assembly who came from the entrance of Hamath to the book of, of Egypt. Brook, I'm sorry, was it Brook? Yeah, the Brook of Egypt, sorry. On the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly for the now, here's our word, dedication of the altar. They observe seven days and the feast uh, and the feast seven days. So they actually, the thing that I find interesting is that he, he actually separates this. This might not make sense why I'm harping on this right now, but we're going to talk. This passage is going to become very instrumental down the road here in the show. So it says, for the dedication of the altar, they observe seven days. So that word Hanukkah is right there. Hanuk right. is right there for the dedication of the altar. They observed seven days, and the feast of se- uh, uh, and the se- feast seven days. Right. So the word Hag is remember. There's only three Hagim: Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. And here it's it's Sukkot, seven days of the dedication of the altar, and then there's uh, verse nine, Second Chronicles seven nine is talking about Shemini Atzeret. It's not part of the Hag. It's not part of the Hanukkah Hamizbeach. It's not part of the dedication of the altar. So anyway, so that's just, we're not encountering this word Hanukkah much in the Tanakh, but it's there. And then if we look to sources from the Second Temple period, we have in Megillat Ta'anit, which is the scroll of fasting written in Aramaic. Um, it's basically recounts the uh, the national, important, important national days since the times of the Maccabees which were given as days that you, it was forbidden to fast by strict Pharisees, okay? So there are certain days that you would be forbidden to fast. Of course, these were not in the Torah. These were uh, extra rules. Why was it forbidden to fast? Because fasting was seen as an expression of mourning and sorrow. And to, to take a day, it would be like in America, 4th of July, right? Declaration of Independence. It would be kind of like an extra uh, zealous group of of militia who are pro revolutionary war, saying it is forbidden to fast on the Fourth of July. Why? Because it must be a day of celebration. Okay, imagine that. So what Megillat Taanit is the Scroll of Fasting is a is a series of calendar days from the Maccabean time and tracing a lot of Maccabean victory national victories for Israel as national holidays on which it was forbidden to fast because because they were days of celebration. And in this calendar, we have the word Hanukkah three times. We have it twice uh, for, used for 
the dedication of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, two different days. Uh, one of those is uh, the seventh uh, of ER is dedic is for Hanukkah, dedication for the wall of Jerusalem. One is uh, forbidden to 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 fast or to eulogize. And um, there's another one on the fourth of Elul is also a Hanukkah for for building of Jerusalem, not allowed to fast or to uh, eulogize. So so then though we have it also for the twenty fifth of Kislev, and it says Hanukkah, Hanukkah of eight days, a dedication of eight days. And a different manuscript says eight days of Hanukkah. One is, not, uh, one is forbidden to fast or to eulogize. Okay, so, so even here with, the, with this, cal- this early you know, Pharisaic calendar from the first century, we have Hanukkah used in more than one situation. Uh, now, of course, this is a this text is Hebrew and Aramaic, uh, but then we have so that that's, that's one set of sources. Now we go to so our Greek what, sources. Okay, hang on, hang on, just a sec. So, so recap that for me. Put it into a nutshell. You're saying that that what was the source? The word Hanukkah is is a Hebrew word used a handful of times in the scriptures. Correct. Okay, I'm with you. And it is used concerning the dedication of the altar. Correct, okay. And, and particularly in when Solomon built his temple. Then we have, I'm just looking at Hebrew language or Aramaic language text. We have what's called the scroll of fasting, which is a... Dead Sea Scroll. No, no, it's a first century text that is uh, celebrating Maccabean victories. Okay, and, and I'm with you. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, but I'm any back event, on track. It has the word Hanukkah used both for dedicating... Two days where it's forbidden to fast because it's celebrate days of celebrating rebuilding walls in Jerusalem. So are they using it as a verb there? No, it's just a noun, Hanukkah. Okay. And then the, the last one, the third use is the 25th of Keslev where it says Hanukkah for eight days. Uh, forbidden to fast, uh, forbidden to eulogize. And that would be the festival. That's the, yeah. That is the says festival. Eight days of Hanukkah, yeah. Okay, keep now, going. Now, so, so then we'd shift and we look, okay, well, what about other language? Do we have anything in the Greek language, Jewish Greek, from the Second Temple period? And, of course, we do. I think, Caleb, you did some digging there from the Book of Maccabees. Yes, of course. Um, I think First Maccabees, even Second Maccabees, starts out with a whole introduction as to why the Jews, Jewish communities in Egypt should celebrate Hanukkah. And this is, this is pre-Yeshua, right? Yeah, this is like 100 B.C., yeah. Okay. Right? This is before both Maccabees are, we're presuming that both 1st and 2nd Maccabees are not written by the same author. It's not like 1st, 2nd Corinthians, <laughs> we should clarify. So there's a whole history, you know, of the extra uh, canonical texts that we need to Non-canonical keep in text. mind. But yeah, uh, these aren't written by the same. It's later scholars call it 1st Maccabees, 2nd Maccabees, just to kind of put it in the umbrella because it tells the general story of the Maccabees. But they're not written by the same author, written in different times. But they're both composed in times when the Maccabees were in charge. So they're pre-Roman. They're pre-Roman occupation. This, with a big, big deal, a lot of significance given to what's called the dedica- Feast of Dedication and that it starts on the 25th of Kislev, and it's a celebration of the Maccabean victory over Antiochus Epiphanes. The basic story we know. Now, of course, as we'll probably talk about later, as many of our listeners know, there's no mention of a miracle of oil at this time or anything like that. That's a later, that that pops onto the scene, um, what, 
six or seven hundred years later in the Babylonian Talmud, this idea of the miracle of eight eight days of oil. Um, it's not a bad story. I'm just saying it's not in our. Yeah, it's not tor- It's not. It's it's not uh, found anywhere in, in the non canonical extra biblical literature in Second Temple period. Yeah, it's not a Second Temple. Uh, so. That's our source. We have so we have Greek and Hebrew sources from the Second Temple period that use the word de- this feast of dedication, pointing to Maccabean victories, specifically the the victory of the uh, over Antiochus Epiphanes. But there are the two single days, Er and in Elul, for rebuilding the wall. But the eight day Hanukkah is the big one, uh, attested in in all these Jewish sources. Now, of course, just a footnote, we don't have a record of Hanukkah in any of the Dead Sea Scroll texts. Um, and because it's a, it's hard to argue from, a, from silence to say, well, they didn't believe in it. Well, you know, we do have a calendar. It's not uh, from Qumran. It's not on there. Um, and it might be, some scholars have suggested this is because Qumran was not pro-Maccabee. In other words, they had a different sense of history and time and eschatology, and celebrating the Feast of Hanukkah might not have been a priority for them because they saw it as a different sect of Judaism's uh, uh, interest. But if we're if we're speaking from a uh, argument of silence, then we could say that they didn't celebrate Purim either. That's true, and the, and they, there's no book of Esther found at Qumran. So that's that's what some scholars have, have uh, surmised from this is that Purim and Hanukkah were not acknowledged as holidays by the Yahad, by the Essenes. So and so that's just a footnote. We don't need to dive into there, but it's just a footnote. And uh, of course, there's difficulties like like you said, it's argument from silence. You know, what if the, all the Purim scrolls they had disappear? You know rotted away and we just don't have them so um, but anyway it is clear that uh, in the first century the big deal Hanukkah was what we think of now is that starting with the 25th of Kislev 25th of the ninth month extending you know an eight-day feast yeah okay I'm also I'm looking for something on uh Okay. Online. Anyway, okay. So now I think everyone knows. Do we really need. What in the world? The holidays are coming. <laughs> Hang on. Sorry. Uh, that was my browser. The holidays are coming. Um, okay. So uh, do we really need. Should we recap the story of Hanukkah? I don't think we need to. Do we need to? What do you think? I think, pe- I think people know the story. They can look it up. People know the story of Hanukkah. You can Google it. I. I oh, man. See, now it's going to take me forever to find that, and I'm going to feel worry, stupid. Right. It was just- you can Google it. Um, so we know, okay, so the, the story of Hanukkah, for those who might be tuning in on TuneIn for the first time, the story of Hanukkah does not come from the Bible. It is not a biblical festival. It's not, uh, it hasn't been celebrated by the church. Uh, and it is... Ironically, it's the, but it was the church that preserved the quote church. I'm using those. Yes. Danger quotes. Yeah. The capital C church. Preserved the books of the Maccabees. So the, the actual historical documents describing That's true. Yeah, all okay, the details saying, yeah. was preserved not by Judaism. No. Using danger quotes again. Judaism. Danger quotes, yes. Um, but yeah, so this is a place where 
for, and I think we talk about this usually in Hanukkah, one of the points we make is that for any, you go to Chabad.org or you go to these different ones and they tell you all about the Maccabees and the victories. They're getting that from quote unquote Christian scripture or Catholic scripture. <laughs> you know, they, uh, because they have to look to a tradition other than their own that preserved, that's responsible for preserving the text. Just one of those little slight ironies in history. Oh, man, I don't know where to go from here because we have several different places that we can go. Let me get to a message here that we have. Uh, they they switched Facebook all around, so now should we put want to put some music on? Give me just a second, people. Okay, so um, I have two emails here. And uh, the first one, I think I think we should do these in opposite order. So uh, I have trolled the internet, blah blah. I have spent time talking with my mother regarding Hanukkah traditions, old and new. Despite all this, I still feel like a novice with nothing solid. What do you guys do in your in your homes? What other families do in their in your community? What do you all do as a community? How do you handle the big guy in red with your little ones? I'm not looking to recreate, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so basically this person's looking for uh, celebration of Hanukkah and how we uh, do that. Now, uh, I think we're going to touch on a significant amount of that uh, in response to this other email. Uh, formalities, formalities. Uh, Hanukkah has become a major oh, it's holiday. A, it's a commercial. In, yeah. The, the, I mean, I mean, like for, Jew, for Jewish identity, you have like Hanukkah. You have like for just... Popular mass secular Jewish identity. Oh yeah, you have like Hanukkah is is like it when it comes to like. Um, I think it's outshine in popular culture. I think Hanukkah probably outshines Passover. I, oh, I of course, say. yeah, no, it's it, it's definitely in terms of in terms and that's, of pop that's recent. That's a response to Christmas. Oh, it's very that, that's, yeah. That, it's only absolutely. in the last hundred years that it took off. You know, and there's a whole there's a great article about how Christmas cards. Like, I don't know, I yeah. don't remember if the guy was Jewish or not, but he started making holiday greeting cards yeah. and just made a bunch of money, you know. <laughs> and that just started, it's like advertising, you know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, and and actually we're going to look at something. Okay, so let, let's read this. Uh, she says, would you guys be willing to do an episode about the teachings of uh, Joseph Dumont at Sighted Moon? Now, this came, this email came to me yesterday. It came yesterday, and by this point, I had already pulled all these clips and all this stuff from Sighted Moon Ministries, so we I was already on this, okay? She goes on. She says he's claiming that this coming year is the real Shemitah and that people all over the world are supposed to observe it. So he says that it starts Aviv 1, uh, 2016 is when the real Shemitah year is coming, and I, I think he's trying to kind of take, I don't know, maybe he's not. I kind of get a uh, uh, Jonathan Kahn feeling like maybe he can ride on the heels of, of you know, this whole Shemitah. I don't know. Uh, he also just posted an article where he says that both Hanukkah and Christmas are Satan's festivals who has hijacked some of, of the scriptures and moved them and made them about the worship of him. Yes. Those, Wait, which guy said that? This is Joseph Dumond. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, those who keep Christmas as well as those who keep Hanukkah are worshiping Satan. Any holiday not found in Leviticus 23 is the worship of Satan. Uh, now, I haven't found exactly those words from Joseph Dumont on his on his uh, website. 
I did reach out and contact Joseph Dumont. He was nice enough to uh, write me back. I'm not going to share that interaction with you because I don't think it's quite relevant. Uh, and I mean, maybe I'll share it with you later. I don't know. So what is this person talking about? Well, let's, okay. So, uh, there, somebody else called me this last week and I know this is a lot of setup, but, uh, somebody called me last week and said, Hey, there is this ministry called outcry ministries. They have the, uh, radio station, uh, internet radio station. They have, uh, you know, they're, they're doing all these shows and they have some very interesting teachings that uh, I think need to be addressed. Would you mind talking to them, talking about them on the show? Um, so what I did was I went on to uh, to Outcry Ministries, <clears throat> who, by the way, I'd never heard of before this. Some very interesting material that they have there. I listened to a full podcast. I listened to the whole hour-long podcast, 50-minute-long uh, podcast on Hanukkah that they had. They rest heavily on Joseph Dumont. And uh, they they basically say in the beginning, we rest heavily on Joseph Dumont because his scholarship is so good. He is such a good researcher and such a good scholar. And uh, so we trust what he says. And, and so uh, we're using his, his material. Okay. Uh, I rest on a couple of, of scholars from time to time, my father being one of them, because I am uh, obviously working closely with my father. So a lot of the research that he's doing, I'm, I'm somewhat involved with in terms of seeing what he's uh, researching, how he's researching it, those kind of things. We have a lot of the same books, obviously, and those kind of things. So uh, I understand what it's like to have a, a teacher that you uh, that you might look up to. I think that, uh, you know, my father is a, definitely a, a, a junior teacher, if you were in my life, because Yeshua, I hope, is the head teacher, obviously. Um, okay, so this next, I don't know, this isn't a segment. We don't have segments. Do we have segments, Rob? I guess sometimes we do. But we have in the past. What are we at right now? I, I don't have, oh, wait, hang on. Let me change this to time. <laughs> 30 minutes. Okay, we're at 30 minutes. So, yeah, this could be a new segment. I want, Do we have music? No, we don't have music. Okay. So during this segment, uh, what we're going to talk about is we're going to be pulling clips from both uh, this podcast by Outcry uh uh, Outcry Ministries, and I believe the main guy talking's name is Mitch. He's going to be the person that you hear the most of, and this is going to bring us around to Joseph Dumont. And uh, why did Adam just post a YouTube video? Because he's communicating with others. <laughs> okay. Um, just Kay, Caleb, you're doing the you're doing a half. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm being distracted. Here we go. Let's listen to this first. Uh, this I have several uh, uh, audio clips from the from this podcast. This is from Outcry Radio. Uh, this was done there. This podcast was done in November, uh, so very recent. Here you go. Well, and that's that's the whole thing. Is so. Long story short, I realized the origins of this feast and this this quote unquote miracle of oil, and that's the reason that's where the Hanukkah comes from. The nine branched menorah uh, was was all a lie. It was all made up, fabricated. There was no miracle of oil ever, ever. It was made up. Okay, uh, this is a this is a he's taking this now from. I, I think he's kind of resting on Dumont here, uh, and this is. If you receive the show notes, this is uh, these links are all in your show notes. So I gave you two different articles from Joseph Dumont, the first, and this is from the first article that I posted in uh, your show notes. 
Uh, he says, quote, this is from Joseph Dumont at Cited Moon Ministries. He says, quote, show me in scripture where God said to make an eight or nine candlestick menorah. In Exodus, you are told to make a seven lamp stand menorah, not eight or nine. Take note, it is oil lamps and not candles. This is what is used at Hanukkah, an eight or nine stick menorah that uh, Yehovah, his words, not mine, never sanctioned to be made. Yehovah said in the Torah to make a seven stick menorah and to use oil lamps not candlesticks. Show me in scripture where it says the lamp, the Maccabees lit, stayed lit for all eight days. Show me where this miracle happened. Quote chapter and verse if you can. It does not say this in Maccabees, but only in the rabbinic Talmud. Fair enough. But it also doesn't say Jehovah in the Bible. That's also true. And they don't call it a menorah. That It's called a Hanukkah. So, um, you know, uh, and the eight branch or nine branch uh, Hanukkah is not called a menorah. Can I? Uh, so I don't can know. we? Yeah, I agree with you. Now, okay, look. So now, now what we're getting into is, uh, you know, now I should say that this group kind of uh, outcry ministries as well as Joseph Dumont both kind of take what I would consider almost a Karaite view. Okay, now I co- I contacted uh, outcry ministries as well. Uh, they they stopped responding to my email as soon as I asked a, a real question. Um, but basically, I, I asked them, you know, if they about their tradition, and they kind of tried to say they don't believe in any tradition. Yeah. Um, but listen to the faith statement by Outcry uh, Ministries, by the way. So this should this should tip us off from the very beginning of of uh, kind of where these guys are coming from. Okay. Uh, This is uh, what we believe. This is on their What We Believe page. Quote, We believe that obedience is the evidence of salvation through Yeshua the Messiah. If we deny the Torah, we are denying the Messiah. He is the Word. He does not change. The Word does not change. Okay, now let's stop right there for a few seconds. I agree that, uh, I, I pretty much agree with that. However, the way that they state it almost sounds like what they're saying is, Christians aren't saved because they reject the Torah. Maybe that's not what they're saying. Hmm. Um, but I would say that Christians as a, as a you know, Bible-believing Christians actually accept the Torah. They just don't say they do. Okay. So his Torah is freedom. It brings life. Yeshua is the word made flesh. Yes. Uh, he came to testify to the truth and save that which was lost. He, uh, we believe that all who call upon the name of Yehovah, their words, not mine, shall be saved. We do not believe that the way to pronounce yod heh vav is the only way, but we do believe that we all should be speaking his name, replacing his name in the scriptures with Adonai, Hashem, Lord, Jesus, etc. is transgression of the Torah, Oh, pause, 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 please. Oh, wait, hang on just a sec. Can I, can I, can I just finish the statement on why it's transgression of the Torah? By adding and taking away from his word. Yeah, those, and those, go. those guys are so, de- those guys are deceived. Yeah. On what basis? Tell me, you who follow Yeshua, you who follow his apostles, on what basis do you, are you above your master? who used Kurias and Shemayim and Heaven and Gevurah and Mighty to talk and Most High, but never and said Jesus. this word, never said this word Yehovah yeah. that now you're using. Yeah. So you're a, you're a disciple of Yeshua, but yet you're above your master to innovate. 
What I th- yeah, what I think is interesting go is... Go back that, and try again. What I think is interesting... Go inter- back to the end of the line and, and try again. Oh, sorry. That's frustrating. Do you need some music? you need some Hoff Goes Off music? No, that's all right. But it looks like uh, uh, Robert on the, on the forum says that, yeah, they are Karite. Sighted Moon is Karite. Okay, so Sighted Moon is Karite. Um, so what I find interesting, though, is they say by adding and taking away from his word. Now, this, they're taking this from Deuteronomy. Do not add to or take away from this. Okay. However, you would have to, by the logic that they are trying to implore onto this statement in Deuteronomy, you'd have to then say that the, uh, that the prophets and all of the apostolic scriptures could not be used. That right, is, exactly. Yeah. That I mean, is, there's... that is not what this phrase in Deuteronomy means. We're talking about a suzerain vassal treaty. Okay. So the treaty cannot be amended. Uh, and yeah, so this, so this is, uh, this should give you idea of, of, uh, where this, this ministry is coming from. Okay. So, uh, so back to, uh, this clip that we listened to, uh, okay, fair enough. There are some extra things that are added on to, um, added on to the, the, the festival, uh, nine candelabra or an eight stick candelabra. Uh, and, and, uh, some, some traditions, right? We have traditions that have been added on. Now, here's an interesting thing though. These guys basically say that tradition should be thrown out the window. What about all the times that Yeshua holds to tradition? Now, granted, I'm not saying that he does. And this is a question I asked them, which they never responded to, but you know, Yeshua specifically, uh, does things that are tradition. Now he speaks against tradition being placed above being placed above, uh, you know, scripture, but he certainly, you know, when he raises the loaves and blesses them before the meal, where do you find that in Torah? When he goes to the synagogue, when he goes to the synagogue, as was his custom, as was his tradition, where do you right, find that's, that? That's not, that's not in the Torah. Right. Um, Paul says in, uh, first, uh, first Corinthians, that's right. Oh, wait, hang on just a sec. Let me move to a different range here. All texts. Let's look at traditions. Um, so in 1 Corinthians 11.2, Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. So then do we reject Paul because he taught traditions? You've got me there, Caleb. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, now, now we kind of, uh, hopefully we've uh, looked at uh, the, the idea of, of traditions maybe a little. Let's, let's move on back to Outcry Ministries. Let's hear what Outcry Ministries has to say. So I started doing research, and, and one of the things that I did, and I encourage you all who, who, know, who don't know very much about this feast, go, go Google search Kwanzaa, K-W-A-N-Z-A-A. Just just do a Google search and, and look for the images on Kwanzaa. Uh, Kwanzaa, I don't know how you say it. Anyways, uh, go, go do a Google search and look at the images. The first images that come up, it's literally a Hanukkah. They, they light a Hanukkah. Um, you can go look at Diwali. We've talked about Diwali. The main symbol, and kind of an ancient symbol of Diwali is an oil lamp. Okay, hang on just a second. I want to stop right there. Now, I've stopped in the middle of the clip. 
but they, they uh, Dumont talks about Diwali as well. Okay, and they say that these that these were traditions of this pagan festival Diwali. However, the earliest uh, reference I, I can find anywhere of any Hindu writing in terms of being uh, any manuscript evidence that we have at all of any Hindu writing is sixth seventh century A.D. So now we're talking eight hundred years after the formation of Hanukkah by the the first and second Maccabees, right? Yeah. 800 years. So they're using Diwali mm. to try to say that this was pagan first. I don't understand how, how that can work out. It To me, it, it seems like they're trying to say that, that Diwali was first. Anyway, beyond that, he now wants to go to Kwanzaa. When was Kwanzaa created? Like, two, like... 2001? Oh. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, of, co- of course, Kwanzaa is going to have imagery that's taken from other things like Hanukkah and and Christmas and uh, Festivus. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, Festivus was was created in 1996 by uh, Seinfeld. George Costanza, <laughs> you know, or, or Jerry Stiller or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know. I can't believe we already discussed this. You know, so I don't understand the argument here. So because Kwanzaa stole, you know, stole imagery from a different uh, a different festival, all of a sudden it's bad. How, I mean, it's, it's Satan does this all the time, takes things that are, that God has created and, and perverts them. Now, I'm not saying that God has created, uh, you know, he, he created the eight candle lob or anything like that. But all I'm saying is, is that just because uh, a, a pagan religion or a pagan festival steals imagery from somewhere else doesn't mean it's bad. Let's keep just interesting because the miracle of oil, right? Uh, it's just kind of interesting, and they light candles, and it's this, it's this, it's what it literally is—a festival of lights. Well, think about Christmas, and then and then let's look at Christmas. <laughs> I mean, what that's... is what is everybody going to be doing on uh, on Christmas Eve this year? All the Christians go to church, and they do a what? A candle lighting service, and well, they and then light not even, all these. Yeah, not even to mention all the houses lit up, yeah. specific parks lit up because it's like the light time. You know, I don't know. Okay, so th- this is also interesting to me. Now, here's here's one thing that I think as believers, whether you're messianic or not, one thing, one of the things, if you reject Christmas, hopefully you do. I do. I reject Christmas as a as a, a legitimate festival that believers should be uh, celebrating. What I'm saying is just because it happens at Christmas time doesn't necessarily mean that it's pagan. You know, I've looked and looked and looked for the origins of a candlelighting service, and I can't find the origins of a candlelighting service outside of the church. It seems as though... The but wait a minute, but wait, a, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Lamps were used all over in ancient Israel in this first... I mean, the idea of... Because you didn't have light. You would you would have those the little nares, the little lamps, oil lamps. So lighting and having candle or, or oil... Not candles, granted, but a wick in oil with a flame as a light during dark times is was all over the place. Well, and, and actually, one of the places that I that I looked said that it's very possible that the Christians started using at the end of their uh, services. They started and during their services services they started using uh, candles because the uh, Jewish tradition was to light candles at the end of Shabbat. 
Yeah, I, and a lot of that is just there's no way we're ever. There's no way we can know. But the point is, is that it like just to, to automatically assume that that all the lights that we have at Christmas time, you know, oh my neighbor puts up uh, Christmas lights on his or holiday lights, whatever you want to say, on his house that obviously came from the worship of Satan. I, I don't buy it. Or, or the idea that, you know, the church is having a candlelit light service tonight. Oh, that must come from, you know, the altar of Satan. No. That's ridiculous. It, that's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. So, okay. Uh, I want to keep going, though, because we're going to have... Oh, man. You're... you're I'm, I'm Yeshua said, you don't light it. You don't light a lamp and put it under a bushel. You put it up in the house, so it fills the house with light. Okay. I mean... This is going, this is going to be... Okay, and actually, here, here I pulled this. According to an article by Brian Murray from Yale, the earliest mention of the Yule log, and this is where some people think that lights came from, was lighting the Yule log. So the first mention of the Yule log we have is in Germany at 1184. This is in your show notes, by the way. You can read that article. Lights on a Christmas tree were not documented until the 1700s. I cannot find one reference to candles being lit or to lights being a large part of Christmas or any other festival except Hanukkah before 1184. And we have the, we have the Babylonian Talmud talking about Hanukkah and lighting the Hanukkah. <clears throat> Pardon me. Okay. So I, I'm pretty convinced that we're going to have a Hoff goes off moment here uh, sometime during this show. Okay. Here we're going to keep going. And so this is, this is the verse that everybody justifies celebrating the eight day festival of lights. John 10:22 at the time at that time the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem it was winter and Yeshua was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon So right there verse 22 chapter that's 10 that, that's that is the the justification of celebrating Hanukkah because in the majority's case they say Yeshua observed it because he right I mean right did he not he, the feast of dedication was taking place and he was at the temple so he observed it, right? I was expecting more somehow. <laughs> more well, I think that you're just assuming if you say it's a for sure proof that he was celebrating it. Well, I mean, so so we can't we can't justify that he celebrated Hanukkah based on that one verse. Is that what you're saying? Or that is what I'm saying. Okay, so there's several things that these that these folks are not taking into account. First of all, Yeshua didn't live in Jerusalem, right? Right, he's in the temple. He's at the temple. Yeah, he's at the. Te- Why is he at the temple? Well, usually when we see Yeshua come up to, uh, to come up to the temple, it's because something's going on. Right, he's traveling around. He's he's uh, he's traveling around Israel as a whole, and so when we when we have Yeshua in the temple, it's usually because something's going on. And the fact that the text actually tells us makes a note of telling us that it's that it's Hanukkah. And th- these people are going to argue that it, that it actually isn't Hanukkah. Okay, um, but anyway, uh, for now, let's say that uh, it is Hanukkah. Um, so if, if it is Hanukkah, the text specifically tells us two things. It tells us that it was the Feast of Hanukkah, and actually the, the word... It, it, okay, anyway, uh, so yeah, um, it says that it was a Feast of, of Dedication, and it says that it was winter. 
These people try to discount both those things. And they're going to rest on Dumond, uh, which we're going to go to here in a few seconds. And actually, i got to tell you, this is kind of funny. I was looking all over Dumond's site for ha- for uh, Hanukkah articles because I was like, man, where are, where are people getting, you know, finding his Hanukkah articles? I got to work this morning. I would only found one article on Hanukkah. I thought that's what everybody was talking about. I got here this morning. I looked on his site again and realized I was spelling it the way that I spelled it, and he spells it a totally different way. So, there you go. So when I, when I put in his way of spelling it, all of a sudden there was like article after article. Okay, so this is where it's going to start getting interesting, and this is where we're going to move over to DeMond as well. So this, once again, is a, a clip from Outcry Ministries, and this is where we're going to see a little bit of a shift. And so when do you think the best conversations take place during Sukkot? During the Sabbaths, right? Yeah. Because that's when everybody's, when everybody's resting. Gathered. That's when everybody's gathered. That's when everybody's together. So, so this chapter eight through chapter ten here is a long conversation taking place on a high Sabbath day, the end of Sukkot, and and he's communicating to these people that his sheep hear his voice, and so. So you know we've only we've only got about a minute left here uh, in the first segment, but but I wanted to to point that out because it's so important because this is the the only place in the scriptures, New Testament uh, writings. I'm going to say, chapter ten, verse twenty two of John is the only place that this quote unquote feast of dedication is actually titled a feast uh, of dedication this in is the important. messianic writings, and it's one verse. And everybody uses it to justify the feast of Hanukkah. And so quickly, what does Hanukkah mean? What what is what does the word Hanukkah mean? Dedication. Dedication. Yay. Okay, so so now we now we're kind of getting this glimpse here. Okay, Doug. So so the feast of dedication uh, in 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 Hebrew we would call that Hanukkah. So that's where it gets confusing. And this is where Joseph kind of goes off saying he celebrates Hanukkah. But he doesn't celebrate the nine-branched menorah, you know, snow time, Hanukkah bush, minch on a bench, eight-day feast. He celebrates the last day of Sukkot. So hang tight right there. We're going to keep our discussion going. Okay. They didn't have mench on a bench back then? Okay. I, I would challenge him on the mench on the bench. Of course. Of course you would. And then I would challenge him on... No, I don't know. Okay, so... Th- the this... high Sabbath. Where, where, where does he say this is a high Sabbath? Okay, th- good question. Thank you. You caught that. You heard yeah. that. Ding! I thought you'd go, ding! The, he Insert gets the, ding he gets this from Dumont, and this is where you're going to have fun, Rob. Listen to this. So uh, this Joseph Dumont, who's supposed to be, uh, you know, in these guys' eyes, he's this great researcher. He's this wonderful, uh, you know, scholar, blah, all these kind of things. I go to his site, I get on one of these, uh, on one of his articles, and the first thing I see is a whole lot of Wikipedia links and a whole lot of Strong's numbers. So he says this about... Stop dogging on the, I know, on the okay, Strong. But listen, listen to, I want, I want people to, uh, now I'm not trying to put down uh, Mr. Dumond as a person or anything like that. In fact, I, I have a theory now. I do have a theory now about uh, how how people uh, how many people in ministry kind of come into ministry and 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 why we have some of these uh, some of these kind of theories floating around in in the messianic realm, and maybe I'll share that in a little bit. But uh, he says this. Okay, so basically, what Dumont is trying to do is he's trying to say that that John seven, when Yeshua is in the temple celebrating the the festival of Sukkot, that John seven all the way through John ten. 
is all one story, and it's all the same story. Uh, but I, I have something, too, that John 1 through the end of the gospel is one story. Okay, but what he's saying is it's all one time. So it's all happening during this one festival of Sukkot. It never breaks, is what is what Dumont is arguing. So then you would have to say, okay, well, what about the Sabbath? In you know, it seems like all of a sudden we have a Sabbath in John nine fourteen. <clears throat> so that would break up the story first and foremost. He tries to say that he went up to the Mount of Olives and then he came back during the same festival. All these kind of things. Okay, and maybe that's not out of the realm of of impossibility. Uh, I I don't think that I think that he's the only person who's come up with this theory. This is how he justifies the John 9, 14 passage. This is from uh, Joseph Dumont. Quote, uh, And it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. The word translated Sabbath here is Sabaton. And now he gives a Strong's number, which is G4521. Okay. And then uh, his processor, his, his website doesn't read Greek. So it just has a bu- bunch of question marks. Uh, okay, I understand that, whatever. Uh, and then uh, it's Sabaton, and I believe he has the, the, the entry. So he says, uh, okay, of Hebrew origin, H7676, the Sabbath. That is Sabbath, or day of weekly repose from secular avo- avocations. And he, this is directly out of Strong's. By extension, a something that is the interval between two Sabbaths, likewise the plural and all above applications, Sabbath day or week. Now we're back to Dumont. Strong's has it wrong here. Sabaton is number H7677. Yes, it originates from 7676, but there is a huge difference. 7677 is the word Sabaton, and Sabaton is a high holy day. Okay. What? what I, I, okay, I, I, I'm trying to be kind here. What, what Dumont is now trying to argue is that the Greek word Sabaton, which could be translated Sabbath, is actually comes from the Hebrew word Shabbaton, Shabbat Shabbaton, right? Yeah, but that, that sounds like that's what he's saying. Okay, and so what he's saying, maybe because they sound alike? Yeah. <laughs> um, and this brings up the other issue. I, I believe this means that uh, that our, our this gentleman uh, is holding to maybe an Aramaic or a Hebrew primacy. Um, not necessarily. He just is ignorant of, he, he's ignorant of Jewish Greek. Yes. So it could be that it's not that he's like a Peshitta primacy or anything. That's not going to help him, by the way. Uh, because if he's, the fact that he's quoting Strong's means he probably believes Greek is, is the language. You see what I mean? He, he's, he's not saying the Greek is wrong. He's saying Strong's is interpreting the Greek wrong. So he's. It seems like he's saying the Greek is okay, but he. This person just. Uh, he has no. Yeah, there, there's understanding of Jewish Koine Greek uh, uh, because, uh, yeah, let's just. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. And he, and he doesn't understand. He's taking words that sound alike, but he doesn't understand Greek grammar. That that Shabbat, is the word that ends in a in a t sound a t. 
and when it's imported, therefore it's third declension. Yeah. So in the genitive plural, it's going to be sabaton because the sabbat plus the on is going to sound like the Hebrew word shabbaton. But he does because he doesn't understand how the Greek language works. And plus, if he just looked at the Septuagint, he would he would this would be evident to him as well. So there's not only is he unfamiliar with the importance of the Septuagint in our studies of first century Judaism, but also just the way uh, Greek Jews were using the, the Greek language. So okay, so, um, so and that's unfortunate because this is another. It's sad because it's another example of someone who sounds. Oh wow, now he's taking Strong's to task. Is like, <laughs> it's like wow, and it, and it sounds right. He must be right, and he's talking about a high Sabbath, and he's and he he is saying scripture alone, and he's mixing these things, and so people think that oh, this is must be true, but in fact, he needs to go to school. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I the, I didn't. It's you know, God decided to give the scriptures in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek. You know, that's not our choice. We're confronted with that reality, and. Therefore, it's upon us to do our homework, and this guy hasn't done his homework. Well, and that's just it, is that I think, uh, okay, here's my new theory, okay? And this is why I think that we should try to be a little bit, you know, gentle and, and kind with these people is that, uh, you know, I think what happens is you have guys who love the Lord, okay? They come into a relationship with the Lord, and they they start to have this personal relationship with God, and they... Th- they're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, maybe, or they have that, you know, they finally are starting to see the fruit of a relationship with the, with the Almighty. What happens? I mean, this has happened to me. It gets you excited, right? You get super excited. You feel the presence of the Lord. You know, you feel like the Lord, you know, and then these guys will have some kind of experience where they think that the Lord's telling them to go to, to go share the gospel or whatever. And sure enough, I mean, the Lord might be telling us to, all to go share the gospel. But what they think is that this means that they should go and start teaching and they don't have any education to do so. And since they feel sanctioned by God to go do so, they don't think that they need to get any education. And I think that that's where the, the uh, you know, this is really kind of the, the sad part of it is that the education falls by the wayside. Um, okay, so this gentleman, though, however, right here, I want to play this one more time. Listen to, listen to this. High Sabbath day, the end of Sukkot. And, and he's communicating to these people that his sheep hear his voice. And so, so you know, we've only, we've only got about a minute left here uh, in the first segment. But, but I wanted to, to point that out because it's so important because this is the, the only place in the scriptures, New Testament uh, writings, I'm going to say, chapter 10, verse 22 of John, is the only place that this quote-unquote feast of dedication is actually titled a feast Okay, so he's making it's never. It's this word feast. Yeah, I know. It's, it's got to go. It's not in the text. It's not. In it's the not text. in the text. There's no feast because a hug. This is another place where he hasn't done his homework, and it's just the fact of the matter. And it's not. We're not bashing on you, Mister. It's, it's you haven't done your homework, and that's just it. And you shouldn't be making these kinds of claims and challenging people on these fronts without first doing your homework because you're you're getting caught with un, unarmed and unaware without your oil. Yeah. Well, uh, what he keeps emphasizing is this is the only time. This is the only time. Okay. So actually here's the question that I posed to this gentleman. Cause I wrote them 
it seems to me what they are saying, and this is what they're saying. I have more clips of this, but they, what they're saying is, is that this feast of dedication, as they're calling it, actually the Greek just says dedication. Okay, um, so this feast of dedication that we find here in John ten twenty two, they're saying that this is the only place, and they're saying that it is now that this is actually referring to the eighth day of Sukkot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so what I wrote them and said was, hey, look, I've looked at this Greek word. I've searched for it in Josephus, in Philo. I even looked in the Gospel of Thomas. I looked in the Apocryphal works, okay? I've looked everywhere that I can think of. Can you please show me any evidence where this word is used as the eighth day of Sukkot anywhere in first temple in in first century literature. Of course, they they didn't want to respond. Um, I couldn't find it. I could not find it. It's not in any of those works. N- nowhere in those works is this word that's translated dedication. Okay, nowhere is it ever f- used of the eighth day of. Of you know, Shemineitz era. That, no, that, it's never used. Yeah, I mean, it's never used that in any. Uh, it's he's importing meaning. He's forcing a meaning. You know, you know what this is? This is a classic case of straining the gnat, swallowing the camel. Okay, but hang on just a sec. I, now I'm gonna I'm gonna take his argument for a second. Okay, perhaps what he's gonna say is that in second in second Chronicles seven 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 through ten, uh, they are having a feast of dedication. Right? What do we have? It, it says on the eighth day. They held a solemn assembly for the dedication of the altar. They observed seven days and the feast seven days. So what I'm saying is, is that maybe they're they're actually saying, well, there was the feast of dedication. It says it right here in Second Chronicles at the same time, and it was on the eighth day. So that's what it's being called. Here's the problem is that the text in Second Chronicles in the Hebrew specifically de- differentiates between the dedication of the exactly. altar and between the and the seven exactly. day feast, the and Hanukkah Amizbeach, the dedication of the of the altar is the seven days. Shemini Etzeret is, is the eighth the day. Eighth day, yeah. So he's he's confused again. Another detail where he hasn't done his homework. Okay, and then maybe uh, another place that they might be trying to get this from is a third century work Clement of Alexandria wrote. Uh, and he's talking about uh, different uh, timelines and whatnot. Uh, finally, at the end, he says, Cyrus had, by, procl- by proclamation, previously enjoyed the restoration of the Hebrews and his promise being accomplished in the time of Darius, the Feast of Dedication was held, as also the Feast of Tabernacles. So both what, what Clement of Alexandria is saying is both those festivals were held. And then we also have the Apostolic Constitutions, uh, which which says, For this also is written in the second book of the Chronicles, that after the temple of the Lord was finished by King Solomon, in the very feast of dedication, the priests of the Levites and the uh, singers stood up towards the east, praising and thanking God with cymbals and psalteries, and saying, Praise the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. But there, once again, they're talking about the dedication of the altar. So my point in all of this is to say this. When it comes to first century literature and what we know of the first century, okay, when this word in the Greek is used, okay, 
And actually, let me get to it. Uh, John 10, 22. Pardon me. Favorites. Hmm. Original Bibles. Give me just a second. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the uh, pronunciation of this, but it's a kainai kainai kainia a koinia kainia. Help me out. Koine. Koine. Or kainé for new. Yeah. Kainia. Yeah. Okay, so this is the word that we are using for dedication. Okay, this word in the first century is used to denote the festival of Hanukkah as found in the Maccabee in first and second Maccabees. From every piece of evidence that we can find, it did not no one was using it at all to mean the eighth day of Sukkot. Correct. It was being used in the first century from every piece of evidence that we have. And there is evidence. There's clear evidence. I would say there's clear evidence that this word was being used for the feast of Hanukkah as found in first and second Maccabees. So for outcry ministries or for Joseph Dumond to say that everybody else has got it wrong. All I can say is we have to point to the evidence. And he he has no evidence. He's manufacturing he evidence. He's manufacturing he's, well, it's evidence. Well, it's kind of any what's what's sad. Extra, you know, extra. When we have someone who hasn't done their homework, they end up they don't even know it. But they're kind of using a sleight of hand. They're they're not using just weights and measures. I I will I I will agree with with this teacher that the scriptures are the inspired word of God. Of we're course, not, we're not questioning that. Sola scriptura. Uh, I, I don't disagree that only in John ten twenty two do we have the mention of the dedication, but I would say, look, don't you know, don't insist on this word feast there, um, but the idea that it's this the shemini uh, etzeret, no, that's just that's there's you you can't that just is total flies in the face of everything that the data from Second Temple Jewish sources. Tell us. Well, you have these people on Outcry, you know, on Outcry Radio or whatever, that, uh, you know, it's it's as if they, I mean, they, have, they haven't dealt with any biblical scholarship whatsoever. You know, one of the things about, about class, about going to school, is if you walked into your, as a freshman, you would know this your first day. You walk into class, you sit down. And your teacher says, okay, let's talk about Gen tw- uh, John 10, 22. If you as a first day freshman say, no, the feast of dedication is, they use that in the first century for the eighth day of Sukkot. What is your teacher? I don't care if you're in a liberal college or not. What is your teacher going to say? Can you show me any evidence for that? Right. And so what these people have done on Outcry Radio is they have tried to brush all biblical scholarship and even the process of biblical scholarship under the rug. It's not that they just haven't been trained in biblical scholarship. It's well, that that's, I wonder it's if they're, they're negating not... all of it. Yeah. Um, 
So wait, it, it, these people would benefit from going to the ETS, going to SBL, listening to papers, and and even presenting, even at a local ETS. You don't have to go to the big one. Find out where your local regional ETS meets, and go and sit. Usually, it's, you know, often they meet on a Shabbat. That's understandable, but it's it's all people teaching about scriptures. Go in there, pack a lunch ahead of time, go and sit in and listen, and uh, you know, the church is not full of idiots. You know, the, the body of Messiah has, just because someone doesn't understand the, the nuance of new covenant, it's, it's, not, it's not that individual person's fault. They're like, they're because they're, we're all raised in an accumulated set of assumptions. And, and we, so as we grow and we pursue the truth, God shapes our heart accordingly and we become better voices and brighter lights and clearer on bringing these uh, discernments to other believers. But it's just like the analogy of, you know, we had it to a resource camp this year, family camp, was I was using the analogy of terminology used in sports. So if we're at a giant, you know, baseball game and we're all there and we're all excited to be there, we're all rooting for the same team. But then when someone scores, you know, there's a group, there's part of the crowd that jumps up and says, touchdown. You know, what we have, they know that something good happened, right? But they're just, they need a little bit of refinement in understanding how the labels actually play out to understand the picture, okay? And that's what we're dealing with. We're not dealing with, oh, you're idiots, get out of here. You know, you said touchdown and it's a home run, you know? So I think it's harsh if, if indeed, as you said earlier, Caleb, that this group thinks that, I mean, it sounded like the Christians. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, like there's this other. I I disagree with that. I, I disagree too. with that approach. Uh, Brothers uh, and sisters we, in the Lord. The very fact that you're using Strong's Concordance means that you're dependent on a Christian culture and Christian scholars that went before you, no matter how imperfect they might have been. That's right. It's because of their dedication and life uh, devotion to study and increasing knowledge. You know, the Thank God for Strong, who is it James Strong, who put that together. Because there, there wasn't anything in existence ahead of that. So he worked hard and did all the work to create a tool that would help us then move beyond it. But it was a necessary step in the development. So the very fact he's drawing on that means we, he himself has not come to terms with his own indebtedness to his, quote, Christian people that he's against it sounding like so anyway uh, i'll stop no i think you're absolutely right uh it, 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 the fact the other thing that we have to remember is if you're reading out of a english an english bible guess what you're standing on the shoulders of the of the christians who came before you For better or for worse. And even if you're reading a messianic, a quote-unquote messianic translation, you're still you're still standing on the shoulders of the Christians that came before you because those people have gained and, and learned from, from Christian scholarship. Let's listen to another clip here by the by this outcry ministry. L listen to this. I, I, I don't even know how to, you know, I think this once again comes from a Strong's Numbers interpretation of this um, because this is not the what I found. 1022 nowhere in in the bible anywhere does it say anybody celebrated hanukkah anywhere the confusion comes from the title here the feast of dedication 
Okay, John 10, 22, at, the time, at that time, the Feast of Dedication, the Hebrew word there would be Hanukkah. So now we have to, now we have to look at this. Does that Hebrew word only apply to an eight-day man-made festival with some kind of miracle of oil, or could it be used for other things? Good question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's also another word in that verse, oh, oh. and not to you know lead down a different Can rabbit trail, but it yeah, says, and it was winter. And we all assume, oh, that had to be around December 21st or in the season that we know of as winter. And that's not necessarily the case of that either. No, no, no. Yeah. Israel does not have the same seasons that we have. Okay. Um, And that's an important thing to remember. And and here's my point. uh, All of this. Okay. Hang on just a sec. Uh, what, What do you mean Israel doesn't have the same seasons? Well, I think he's just going to say there's a rainy season. It's, it's, they think of it as a rainy season, maybe. That's it. That is what he's going to say. Yeah. So he's going to say that there's two different seasons. Dumon says there's only two seasons in Israel. Uh, when I was in Israel, there certainly was four seasons. Uh, and I went through all of them. I went from blazing hot to snow. Um, so, yeah. And everything in between. And not only that, but this word that's used uh, here in in the Greek for winter, that's exactly what it can mean. Winter. That's exactly how it's used. And it was winter. That's the same word used in Matthew 24, 20, when he says, pray that your flight will not be on Shabbat or in uh, during the winter. Yeah. Um, but Did you anyway. want to say something about that clip? Yeah, I just want to say this. I could have been this guy like, you know, 15 years ago. I could have been this guy two years ago. I think 15 years ago, I hear hear myself from like an earlier phase of my life. So I I, I don't want to discourage him, but I want to also say, look, do do your time in school. Do the time. You can't, you know, just like it's just the way it is. You know, you can't. We can't dumpster dive and use a strong concordance and assume that somehow we're going to overturn. Uh, there's just there's homework that needs to be done for proper communication and articulation of what the scriptures are saying and, and how are we to understand our tradition. And it doesn't mean the guy's an idiot. It doesn't mean that he is not called to be a teacher. It's none of that. It's... But don't jump the gun. He's getting ahead of himself. Well, and and I felt I feel like that about Dumont is that you know it's like these these guys on this radio show are trying to say that Dumont is this is this great researcher and whatnot. And I go to the site and the first thing that I see is a bunch of Wikipedia and, and Strong's numbers. I don't see how this is you know this is not good. This is not good investigation. Uh, this this is coming from a very specific point of view and a very specific bias. And an uneducated, an uneducated uh, uh, point of view. This last one, what are you laughing at? My little, I just, I said, I heard that the Jews have like twenty different words for snow. <laughs> okay, I got one more for you. Okay, I know, I know, we're we're getting to the end of okay. uh, we're getting to the end of our show, but I got one more for you. This is probably the one that might have uh, gotten gotten to me the 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 most. Um, I don't know if it's because there seems to be a level of arrogance here. Uh, and it's blatant. He's blatantly wrong. Uh, but listen to this. 
this Hanukkah, I mean, are they lighting candles and blowing party things and, you know, looking at their mench on a bench and spinning the dreidel and having this really happy family time? Or is Yeshua calling the Pharisees out, calling those who will hear him out, and not to mention he is getting ready to be stoned? <laughs> so so if he's if he's condoning this feast of dedication that you all want to celebrate this, this year, the eight-day miracle of oil... Why in the world are the rabbis trying to stone him? And anybody, I mean, is that, does everybody just totally disregards that? that. Okay. Let's not disregard that he, that at the end of this passage, it says that they take up stones to stone him. Listen to what he says. Yeshua answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. I hate to tell you this, Mitch, but they didn't pick up stones because he was telling them not to celebrate Hanukkah or to he was telling them that man-made tradition was wrong, at least not in this passage. They took up stones to stone him because in their minds, they heard blasphemy. He said that he was God. I and the Father are one. He, he also says back here, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Who's the only person who can give eternal life? Right. Yeshua. God. God. And he says at at the end, I and the father are one. Uh, You know, he, he, and this guy seems to laugh and chuckle because uh, everyone else is so stupid except for him uh, that no one understands that what? No, you're, you don't understand. You know, at the end of this passage, Yeshua, they pick up stones. It says the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And, uh, you know, so to me, I think it's very clear. By the way, we have another gematria for, that's 103 in honor of our show. It's Avanim, stones. Oh, there we go. So I, I wasn't going to share that one. I, I didn't know you were going to talk about stones today. There you go. But just to tie it down, I just want to cl- take us I, back to I, the priorities. I just, I just want to clarify. It goes on in this passage. It, it, you know, the passage itself clarifies what I'm saying. John 10, 30, uh, 32 through 33, Yeshua answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. Exactly. It had nothing this to do with issue. man-made this tradition. Is, okay, remember, who was it at the, uh, at the SBL session about, you know, look... <laughs> You can't, it, the difference is if you, if you're Jewish and you're trying to, you know, assimilate into some sort of halakhically stringent community, um, at some point either, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road is this, are you going to stand there in that traditional synagogue and say, and quote John and say, this is scripture, that this is inspired word of God. No, you're not. You, you you can't have both. 
I'm, this is a little, this is just a footnote in, in a different direction, but anyway. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. There's people that want to waffle on this, thinking that, you know, it's not actually that clear in the scriptures. You know, I'm not really sure what Yeshua, you know, he's just kind of a, he's a teacher, he's a man. Yes, he did the Torah. And I, but it really, there's nothing he said that disagrees with the later rabbis, the, our, the sages of Israel, the sages of the Talmud. So, and you know, as a matter of fact, most of the stuff in the Talmud fits right in with Yeshua's teaching. You know, you hear these kinds of, this line of thinking. And what happens is John 10 gets further and further from your mind. It becomes further and further. Pretty soon it's like you don't even remember there is a Gospel of John because you're all focused on the Talmud and the Shulchan Aruch or whatever. And you forget that there's a Gospel of John. So that's a bigger issue. That's not what we're talking about here with, with regard to Hanukkah. But but yeah, that this it wasn't because of that it was... Uh, a dedication or Hanukkah that they were going to stone Yeshua. Check this out. Um, So this is off topic. We'll come back to, I want to answer Stephanie's uh, question about what do we do on Hanukkah and uh, you and your home and me and my home and our communities and that kind of stuff. But I do want to tell you, Rob, Mm -hmm. about a month and a half ago, you said to me, didn't we have a clip one time about yada, yada, yada? And I said, yes, we did have a clip. You said we should find that. So for season two, what I've been doing, I have been cataloging every single one of the shows that we did and making it searchable by topic <laughs> so, that, so that we can we can say, oh, did we talk about Jonathan Kahn in any of these shows? You put in the keyword and boom, every show that we mentioned Jonathan Kahn in comes <laughs> up. Here's the other thing that I did. Okay. Now, I've only gotten about 20 shows into the second season and there's 50 some odd, I think. I started uh, cataloging and making searchable every single soundbite we've ever used on the Robin Caleb show. And out of those 20 shows that I've already cataloged, hang on, wait for it. I have now cataloged 136 different audio clips <laughs> out of 20 shows. <laughs> Did you get the, the Gaborum? <laughs> Remember the one guy, the Giborum. I haven't the, gotten to it. He was the yet. Nephilim guy. The, the oh, I have gotten to it. Yeah. Anyway, all right. I have gotten to it. Yeah, um, and actually, I I have to say I've had a, a little bit of a vexing week because I've had to re-listen to all oh, of these. That's torture. It is really bad. But now, hopefully, once I'm done with this, you'll be able to say, "Hey, didn't you play a, a clip one time?" And I'll be able to just type it in and say, "Yep, hang on, just a second. Here you go." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's get back real quick. I know that we've got, you know, we're at like an hour and 20 some odd minutes. Uh, but let's real quick. What do we do in our home? Um, you know, we do celebrate uh, Hanukkah, I would say somewhat traditionally. Uh, by the way, uh, there the article, there's an article that I, uh, that I presented and I was going to read from this article. This is really, really interesting. I thought it was interesting at least. Uh, this is where presents come from on Hanukkah. This is, you know, some people are asking this question. This is an article called How to Celebrate, and it's called Hanukkah Gelt. It's on Jewish Outreach Institute. Listen to this. They bring up some very interesting things. Uh, saving bonds, checks, and small chocolate coins wrapped in gold foil. These are the modern in, uh, incarnation of the traditional gift known as Hanukkah gelt. Gelt is a Yiddish term for money. 
Although, to, although it is an old and cherished custom, the roots of gelt giving go back much further than the Middle Ages, the era in which the custom is usually said to have originated gift giving on Christmas. Uh, it does go back, uh, depending on uh, you know what tradition you're following. There was a specific festival specifically for children. Children were given gifts and whatnot. And some people will tell you that that's where the Christmas tradition of giving gifts came from. However, uh, from what we can tell, gift giving on Christmas in the Christians' homes uh, didn't start until a bit later. Even though it, I'm going on with this article, even though it is not mentioned in either the Talmud or the Shulchan Aruch. Uh, the importance of coins in the history of the Hasmonean period is undeniable. The first book of Maccabees records that in 142 BCE, 22 years after the temple was recaptured, Simon the Maccabee, the surviving son of Mattathias, finally uh, brought independence to Judea. Sirius King Antiochus VII declared to Simon, quote, I turn over to you the right to make your own stamp for coinage for your country. That's in 1 Maccabees 15.6. The ability mm -hmm. to mint their own coins was a concrete expression of the newly won independence of the Jewish people. During the following years of the Hasmonean dynasty, the first Jewish coins in history were issued. Most depicted cornucopia symbol uh, symbolic of the prosperity of the country during these years. One of the coins minted by the last of the Hasmonean kings, Antagonus Matityahu, 40-37 BCE, portrayed the seven-branch menorah on one side and the table of showbread on the other, both symbols of the restored temple. Some scholars conjecture that these designs may actually have been intended to remind the people of Hanukkah, which had been neglected during the waning years of the Hasmonean dynasty. And this article goes on for about th three more paragraphs. Uh, I think this is a very interesting idea, though, that uh, coins were given around the Hanukkah time because coinage was actually uh, a symbol of the of Israel's freedom to worship God in the temple as uh, as you know freely and uh, independently of the Roman government. Uh, so, and we see gelt giving. Gelt giving back in the Middle Ages was originally given to teachers, and this is how teachers were actually uh, supported throughout the year, is that children and parents of children would come and give uh, gold gelt coins to the, uh, to, the, uh, to, to the teachers, and that would sustain them sometimes all the way through the year. And uh, so this, at some point, it actually shifted from teachers to children. And, of course, you have uh, chocolate companies who then uh, hall, you know, hallmarked this, I'm using hallmark now as a verb, uh, hallmarked this in the 40s and 50s when Hanukkah began in, uh, in the U.S. to rise again in popularity within the Jewish uh, sex. And of course, uh, Rob's early comment about uh, cards and uh, the person who was making holiday cards and then turning towards Hanukkah is another thing that kind of catapulted the idea of giving gifts Giving, uh, giving notes and these kind of things. And this blossomed, of course, in conjunction with Christmas into gift giving. Do I give gifts to my family on Hanukkah? Yes, Hanukkah is a time when we give a lot of gifts. However, I should also say that it is not the only festival Jewish uh, High Holy Day, and it's not a High Holy Day, uh, but I try to give gifts to my uh, children every High Holy Day. They're not always big gifts, uh, I never give big gifts because I don't have a lot of money, but uh, we'll give uh, you know chocolate bars or we'll give uh, you know we'll give candy or, or other things to the kids 
on uh, pretty much every high holy day. We'll also give them gifts on Purim, and we give them gifts on, on Hanukkah. And, and when I say gifts, I mean very small. You know, we'll give them uh, maybe a book, or we'll give them a, a chocolate bar, or we'll give them, you know. But uh, the reason I do that is because I want to uh, instill in my children that these festivals that we're celebrating should be, you know, I want my kids to look forward to them. I want them to be excited. Passover's coming, you know, this is going to be a fun holiday because, you know, and what what concretes, <laughs> I, I'm not above bribing my children. What concretes, uh, uh, you know, desire for something in the mind of a child more than uh, getting a chocolate bar? Uh, not a lot in my mind. So, uh, you know, I give gifts on Hanukkah. I give gifts on, on the high holy days as well. We uh, try to sing a lot of songs in our home. We light the menorah or the Hanukkah each uh, each night, and we put it in the window along with some other things so that people can enjoy them from the outside as well. Uh, we uh, cook latkes, of course, and sufkaniot. Uh, we try to cook so- sufkaniot. In fact, my mother bought my family a uh, a uh, deep fryer specifically for Hanukkah. Uh, which Didn't is, you make a video? You made a video. Yes, I did. I made, made a video on how to make uh, fake sufkani out, uh, which, yeah, was, was more a joke than anything else. A lot of people thought I was serious, but uh, it, yeah, it's fun times. Um, so we sing a lot of songs. We eat latkes, uh, those kind of things. One of the things that my family does is we kind of, you know, during sukkah, we do what we call sukkah hopping. We go to different families' houses and sit in their sukkahs and, and whatnot, and, and you can sign up at our synagogue. You can sign up to have people come to your, you know, your sukkah on a specific night. Well, uh, on Hanukkah, it's a little bit more intimate because nobody signs up and there's not, you know, 100 people sitting in your backyard. Uh, But we do tend to have either people over almost every single night of Hanukkah or we go to somebody else's house. Uh, This year, we are going to be very blessed to have uh, Adam and Mary Smith uh, come to our house with their daughter, Yofi, and stay with us for several nights. And uh, I have some fun things planned for Adam and me to do, and then fun things for our families to do together as well. Um, and then our congregation, actually, it's quite a blowout at the congregation that I attend. Uh, the first night of Hanukkah, we always get together. We uh, have nosh, so you know everybody brings a, some kind of a finger food or latkes or sufkaniot or whatever. And on the first night, there is a huge play of either a player or a puppet show. It depends on what year you come. But uh, there's uh, this year there was a huge play that uh, that tells the story of Hanukkah and the rededication of the temple. And uh, there's dancing, and uh, we sing songs, and, and uh, we light everybody lights the Hanukkah, and there's usually about 50 Hanukkahs that are lit. So it's it's uh, not only a fire hazard, but it's very beautiful as well. <laughs> and then on the last night, we all get together again, and uh, it's different on the last night. We have a uh, homemade Hanukkah slash homemade dreidel contest, so you bring your homemade Hanukkah and uh, everybody votes and puts, you know, their favorite Hanukkah or whatnot in a box. And then uh, we give prizes for uh, the different Hanukkahs that were made. And then my wife heads up a uh, a raffle so everybody can buy raffle tickets. And uh, we go throughout the year, we go to different, uh, to different restaurants and different uh, grocery stores around Tacoma and ask them to donate stuff. So we have these extravagant bags that are uh, uh, baskets that people can win uh, through the raffle. We auction off homemade pies. Last year, my mom's, uh, I think it was a cherry pie, brought in $285 um, in, the ra- in, the, in the auction. 
And so we have uh, we have an auction, and it's always just a wonderful time. And we have a bake sale, and then all the proceeds are go to different charities uh, around the around our, our area. So it's and it's we don't just do that in, in during Hanukkah time. We also have a summer bake sale slash raffle, and all that money also goes to a charity around our our uh, our city. So what do you? So that's what we do on Hanukkah. You need to well, take, you it, got, take you it or got, leave it. So there's a good contrast between a a more mature. <laughs> I don't uh, know about that. <laughs> no, well, mature uh, one Torah community that has developed and has a rich history of of different um, things that the community has done and has gathered around, like the plays or the puppet shows. That's awesome. I have to say, you guys, I, have, a, you guys have a lot of talent. I, with, I have to say uh, one one more thing, uh, Rob. If, if if I don't mention this, I will get in trouble. One other thing that happens on Hanukkah is my mother, and she does this for almost every festival. My mother heads up a, a, a choir from the congregation, and she directs a choir. And so we always have the choir sing uh, a couple of songs on, on Hanukkah and, uh, and the other festivals as well. I'm sorry. I, if I didn't Let's, say that, I was going to hear it from my mom. Oh, yeah, you tell them about the bake sale, but you don't tell them about my choir. You know, that kind of thing. Anyway, keep going, please. We, you know, at home we're very informal. I think, I think last night we didn't do candles. <laughs> so uh, Andrew was at work, and there was, you know, it was something was going on. So not even everybody was even home for dinner. So, you know, it's it's pretty flexible. But we, uh, our basic uh, uh, little kind of memorial is we we read where Yeshua says, "I'm the light of the world." And I know there's people that think, "Oh, that's." Well, yeah, of course, we're not saying that that's originally what this Hanukkah was, but we're using it as a teachable moment. Yeah, of course. And to say where he says, you are the light of the world. And 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 that's an important message, even if it's uh, it's just a connection that we're making. And I think it's important at least sometime during the Feast of Hanukkah to remember the story, to remember uh, that... Uh, you know, the history is important. We need to know what it was like, you know, back then, and what what the the theme of of being a a community wanting to uh, worship God and outsiders, foreigners who don't believe the same, trying to take that away. And uh, just because you know Yeshua could have, you know, I know this or the person we listened to earlier saying Yeshua didn't celebrate Hanukkah. Yeshua did not have to endorse their kingship. He could he could still endorse the priesthood's victory to get the temple back, um, but that doesn't mean Yeshua had to endorse the Maccabean king when they took upon themselves the kingship. Um, I don't think he would have endorsed their their kingship, their right mm-hmm. to rule as kings. I think that it, he would have had been found problematic because we know that there was a line of David that was waiting in the in the background that we see in Matthew one. But in any event, uh, we at Heart of Messiah, our local community, oh, and we have people inviting different uh, home parties. People invite uh, others to. Um, but we're doing a game night, uh, and we're, we're having a pizza game night for the last night yeah. this year. And we'll have a short uh, kind of recap of what, the, what, what Hanukkah is all about, what it means. And I think we decided just to have one house uh, Hanukkah because 
Because <laughs> it's a we're fire hazard. Location, it's a small build, a small place, <laughs> and we're like, yeah, because you're talking, you know, all those ca- candles times however many. That's a lot. But when you when you have all the Hanukkahs sitting on a table and they all have the nine candles in them, you that's know, a lot of heat. Oh man, it's that's a lot of BTUs. Yeah, well, you know, my son who's three wants to be a fire uh, a. Uh, no, I see, yeah, he wears the fire the now. fire suit. Yeah, so he's he's very excited because he thinks he's going to be able to put it all out with a hose at some point. So, all right, anything else, Rob? No, this is a good show. You know, I know. I think we this is our third season talking about Hanukkah. Then, That's I right. Because I think uh, um, we're into our season gimmel. Season gimmel, yes. And that's that's one of your dreidel. Faces is a gimbal. That's right. Okay, there's a what is it? It is. Anybody remember what it's Nesgadol Hayah? Oh yeah, Nesgadol Hayah. Is Sham or Sham? It should be Sham if we're here. Right. If we're if we're out of the land, we say Sham. So that's that's where we get your noon, your gimbal, your shin, uh, your uh, hay, and your shin. That's right. All right. I guess we'll end it there. Do I not have music? Oh, there we go. <laughs> there it is. There it is. All right. Well, we hope that you enjoy enjoyed this look at Hanukkah. No matter how you celebrate it, we hope that uh, the one thing that you guys take away is uh, just to give God the glory. That someday that temple will be rebuilt and we'll have a third temple. We'll have another feast of dedication. Uh, no matter what you think, whether or not we should or should not be uh, celebrating Hanukkah, uh, you know, be kind to other people no matter what their tradition might be. And uh, hopefully we will uh, we'll all be able to celebrate at least the high holy days uh, and maybe even Hanukkah, the celebration of the dedication of the temple with our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah.